is up everybody welcome back to the music corner with 808 i'm nate i'm sebastian and today is another week another day of album reviews uh trenton list today again unfortunately but uh he will be back per usual. just had some stuff to do today but we still got the new tunes for the people like you so let's get on into it here with first bro job the heaviest album of all time all right so bro job is uh the best way to put it is like a comedy deathcore band i would say uh their first few singles and even their first album was very on the realm of uh trying to trigger the homophobes as it was very jokingly the whole uh having sex with the homies kind of thing or giving your homies a smooch if you will and it's just all this like very sexually explicit music about like you know just fucking the bros if you will um i'm pretty sure that was uh the album was actually called talk shit get kissed which excellent album cover or excellent album name in general um and i didn't really listen to the whole thing i listened to some songs here and there i mean um i'm pretty sure the one song oh let me see if i can get a track list going here and if not then oh here it is here it is uh was it teeny weeny it might have been teeny weeny or um no it has to be that it has to be teeny weeny i'm pretty sure or like that song starts off with uh give me a hickey with your butthole that's the kind of energy you're gonna get from (laughs) that album alone uh but on this one here the heaviest album of all time we're kind of getting a little bit of a different side of things here and uh still some like you know sexual stuff like that but also just like meme songs in general i mean like they have a song on here called the incel anthem about the whole like you know being a nice guy and not getting pussy if you will um and keyboard warriors too you know people who just like talking shit online but for some reason on this one the jokes seem extremely outdated and the best way that I can explain that is there are literal like Alex Jones there's like an Alex Jones interlude where somebody's like I don't know if it's a band member or whatever but he's trying to like you know impersonate Alex Jones and like just doing the whole like you know chemicals in the water turning the frogs gay uh, something like that related to bro job the band and they also had one that had like a Donald Trump kind of thing And he's not even in office anymore, so it just seems incredibly outdated. And even just some of the lyrics and everything, too, are just very forgettable in most of these songs. Um, Some of the positives I can say, though, is the instrumentals are fine. They're, like, solid deathcore instrumentals. And there are some really solid features on this one. I mean, you got... In literally the first actual song, Extra Thick, you got fucking K-Mac 2021 on there. You know, I mean, it's fucking K-Mac. We love K-Mac, the meme boy of YouTube in the metal realm. You got Kyle Anderson from uh, Brand of Sacrifice once again on here. Hunter Madison from a band special I love, uh, Hunt the Dinosaur. Uh, Right, right. Uh, Taylor Barber from uh, Chelsea Grin, formerly uh, Lorna Shore. And just a couple other ones, too, that are like some big names. Like, there are some known people on this album. But it just doesn't stick the landing at all, and it just seems incredibly outdated and incredibly bland, I will say. Especially, like, when you call this album the heaviest album of all time in the album title. I don't know. That just seems like a little bit of a letdown. 
especially like how much it seems like it was kind of like being hyped up to be this awesome thing. It is far from the heaviest album of all time, and in fact, Sebastian and I, and even Trent probably, could give you much heavier albums, but nevertheless, it's most likely just the joke, you know? Uh, but yeah. with that, I still gave it a 6 out of 10. I felt it very somewhat below average, and yeah, I just feel like it could have been better, especially with the jokes for sure. Uh, yeah, that's all for me though. Sebastian. So with this one, I will say starting off that K-Mac being on here was a pretty fun little thing. Uh, K-Mac of course is the YouTuber associated with memes and guitar. Uh, not sure if you heard of guitars that guitarists that do that very often, you know, not like, uh, every guitar YouTuber does that, but, uh, <laughs> I do like K-Mac a lot, and I think his riffs are very fun and thick, just like this riff on uh, the one with K-Mac here. Um, the content, as Nate stated, was not as relevant as it could be, uh, and not to mention, it was just very unoriginal kind of stuff. I mean, even when they were saying, like, the incel anthem, it was all like, you know, I'm 32 years old, still in my mom's basement on a leather throne. And <laughs> it's just right. like, and they also brought up a fucking 360 no scope reference. Like, is this what? 2012? I YouTube? missed that. I missed that entirely. Yeah. Whenever I look through these albums, I've been getting to a point where I'm looking at every lyric for everything just because I want to be as in depth as I can now. Mm -hmm. I, I want to just stop being as, uh, I guess you can say vague with my critiques but this one, I saw a 360 no scope as one of the lyrics. I'm like, oh, God. Oh, man. Um, yeah, I was hoping that we would get, like, a pro gamer tip or something in there at the same time with, like, maybe, like, a G Fuel reference. I don't know. Just <laughs> It was just, it was interesting, to say the least. Um, Hunter, I will say, is always a pleasure to have around because Hunt the Dinosaur makes some pretty heavy albums a lot heavier than what this prescribes to be uh obviously it's a joke but you know hunt, hunt the dinosaur i think is a better meme band as it goes um and then as well as that goes the trump joke there i, I don't know it's just sure i guess it's it's there and it's not even like a joke it's just literally just making one of his speeches centered around the band and it's like one of his campaign speeches from this year. So I, I was just like, okay, I, this would have been relevant if it came out during election season. Even that would be kind of eh, because it would still go very irrelevant in like two years after this. So it, no matter what they do, it just it feels like kind of like at a Weird Al Yankovic kind of thing where it's just the super dated kind of jokes are not going to last well. Um, Bottom Feeders was I. I thought that was a funny little ass-eating song, I guess, you know. For all that's worth, I think that was probably the quintessential best song of this album. And then, oh yeah, Fuck Yourself was, I, I thought that one was funny, lyrically speaking. I don't know, I just, I can bounce on my own dick as a lyric is, that is, is a good interesting. One. That's a good one. Yeah, like, I I'm fine with stuff like that. You know, the self-referential uh, humor, that's a little bit more in, and it 
hasn't i don't know how can i explain this it's a very timeless kind of joke to do because making fun of yourself is always funny and it never will not be you know just ask alex jones but um yeah this this whole album is a good seven out of ten for me it could have been better if it was a lot more relevant or perhaps funny so yeah i'm leaving at seven out of ten i didn't download anything from this it's just I don't know. It At least, like, the it. music is good. It's just the lyrical material is just where it really, really hurts it the most. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. There was just nothing really that redeemable with this album. But, I mean, hey, always room for improvement. But anyway, let's move along here for another album. We got XOXO from Love and Anxiety in Real Time, the new album from the main. Sebastian, go ahead. So, I have a reoccurring trend of just somehow deleting pages off my notes because I forget to save them. Does your phone automatically save them? No, not on this notes app because this notes app is not like Google Docs or anything. I like this one a lot. It's just a Samsung kind of thing. I got you. And it usually does save automatically, but if you have like a draft down or whatever, sometimes it'll be like, yeah, you have to save it or if you're using like a certain font because sometimes I'll like put stuff in a weird font or whatever to make it funny and mm-hmm. yeah i completely forgot to save it so i have nothing on the main but i will say this is my second favorite album of this week completely i i really enjoyed uh the big one from this album that you'll probably hear a lot sticky i thought that was a pretty uh sticky anthem as in it gets stuck in your head very easily uh that one was good uh, this one kind of gave me some Walk the Moon vibes. Yes. If I were to say uh, a comparison to any other band, this kind of gives me that like Walk the Moon, alt rock, but actually fun kind of vibes. Um, when it comes to alt rock, you guys know my issues. I really do not like the vagueness of it, and I also hate the fact that most of it sounds like computer commercials. But with this one, I think it finds a nice sweet middle ground to it. And not to mention, the lyricism is a lot better with these. It's not as bombastic or uh, millennial whoopy in trying to make the song sound bigger than what it actually is kind of sound. You know, I, I, I kind of got sick of that kind of thing. Um, even from Walk the Moon, they did that a couple of times. But that was more in like their early stuff, so that way they can get popular. But... Needless to say, this album was very fun for me. Uh, I downloaded most of it. If I if I had to point at the top of my head, say which one would be a favorite. And again, sorry that I don't have a whole uh, thing for this. I just keep, <laughs> I just deleted the thing and just didn't realize it. But favorite favorites would be probably Sticky, of course, the big one. Um, I like Anxiety in Real Time. I thought that was a pretty fun track as well. Really nice bass line there. And then the other one was High Forever because, you know, it's just your typical, uh, you know, circular London stoner wearing glasses kind of thing. Um, So, yeah, I thought that was good. So I'll give this one an 8 out of 10. I wish I could give more, but I completely forgot. And this was like the first album I listened to from this week. So... Yeah, totally forgot to save it. Sorry about that, but 8 out of 10. All good. Yep, no problem. Uh, I will agree with you that this was also my second favorite album of the week. Um, 
it's it, you you said it best when you said it, it's like walk the moon because it was like reminding me of walk the moon uh maybe some earlier 1975 um there's a third band too that it was reminding me of um <clears throat> excuse me uh I don't remember what that third band was, but I remember I I thought there was, but I could have totally just been thinking of Walk the Moon twice because it does really have a lot of Walk the Moon vibes to it, uh, like in every song pretty much, which is cool. Like I mean, I think they do it really well without actually like becoming a total ripoff, you know. Uh, mm-hmm. the opening song Sticky. I mean, yes, that song is the best off the album. I've heard it a lot on the radio lately as well, whenever I need to put that on if, like, my Bluetooth dies or whatever. And, I mean, as much as, like, it gets kind of annoying to hear the same shit over and over on the radio, this is one of the exceptions that's actually, like, fine, that whenever it comes on, I'm like, okay, all right, like, I can actually actually dig it. Um, And another one, too, that we'll get to as well has a, um, a song on the radio that happens all the time, but it's actually a really good song. So tune in for that one in a little bit here, actually. But uh, back to the album here, I mean... There are some other really good songs on here as well. Um, I believe I had uh, Pretender, Lips, and High Forever saved on here as well. It was basically like the, um, excuse me, wow. Like the first half of the album was solid, and then the second half just kind of like either got repetitive or just a little uninteresting or just really wasn't worth saving at least, Um, which doesn't necessarily mean it's a bad album, and I'd say it's actually a pretty decent album, but... I don't know, in terms of, like, memorable moments on it, Sticky was really the biggest highlight on here for me, and everything else was either good enough to save or just could live without it, basically. Um, So with that, keeping it short and simple, uh, I gave it a 7 out of 10, and definitely want to look into more more of their stuff, because I didn't realize that they've actually been around for a while. I mean, I've heard the name, but, like, they've been around, like, since, like, 2007, and they have, like a lot of albums out so i'm definitely gonna have to look into that one for sure but moving along now we have a new album here from girl in red if i could make it go quiet this is the debut album from girl in red uh she's been getting lots of popularity lately from her hit single serotonin that's been making waves on the radio it's been popping up on spotify a lot uh and this was the other one too that i mentioned that whenever it comes on on the radio i'm like all right sick let's put this on in fact this is like one of the favorite ones that i hear on the radio uh at least the station i listen to that like you know whenever literally when it comes on i'm like all right cool this is like my favorite song here but unfortunately for this one after serotonin did you come is uh probably the next good track on here while it does, however, sound exactly like serotonin almost in the beat, because uh, literally it is almost the exact same build-up and everything. It's almost like serotonin 2.0, uh, which isn't necessarily a bad thing, but like coming off of the actual song that it sounds like is just a little bit weird. Um, but even then, it's still a decent song. Uh, and let's talk about, too, uh, another victim here of the indie rock girl who is just horny as fuck. In fact, I think she's the horniest one with some of these songs, dude. I mean, there's literally Did You Come, like I mentioned. Horny Lovesick Mess is literally another track on here. And just other moments, too, about just wanting some sex, dude. Like, people, women, men, somebody, give this wi- this woman here some loving. 
Like I I yeah. I, I I don't know what to tell you. I mean, shit. She just she wants some sex, dude. Give it to her. Um, the other good song I liked on here that I was surprised I actually liked was "You Stupid Bitch," which I feel like you know it's just like such a corny song title, and even some of the lyrics are a little corny too. Um, but because I'm pretty sure that song is about like you know this girl she wants this girl. Uh, but like the girl won't realize that or something. And she's like, you stupid bitch. I love you. Like, I want to be with you. Um, which I'm like, I mean, it's catchy, but it is kind of dumb. Uh, and after that, there's nothing there's, there's like seriously nothing else that is memorable about it. Like I couldn't tell you a single thing from any of the other songs that sounded memorable. At least it just is a very flat, and underwhelming album after those songs um which is weird because like serotonin and did you come are like back to back and then you stupid bitch doesn't come until like the halfway point of the album so if that doesn't tell you anything it just i don't know what will but i mean i still gave it a six out of ten it was still because i mean like if it wasn't for serotonin this album would be a very very weak debut album uh even though it already is kind of weak at this point but, I mean, she's still got work to do. This is a debut. She can definitely improve. Um, and, yeah, we're just going to see where she goes from here. But, yeah, Sebastian. Yeah, I had very similar issues with Nate on this one. Uh, for once, Nate and I are, were pretty much in line with some of these reviews. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, I just I wish there could have been more just plain instrumental tracks on this without any vocals because honestly the isolated instrumental tracks are far far better than uh some of the tracks if they if they were to not have lyrics with them and uh yeah after after the first couple of tracks here this album takes a complete nosedive for me um it just it uh, i would say like the last good one for me personally was uh midnight love i thought that one was probably like the last one i was like kind of like bumping to a bit and then after that uh you know i'm just gonna say it you know olivia rodrigo here uh a lot of potential and i i just i hope that they experiment more with their sound perhaps uh maybe making good music a little bit better um yeah the album art was cool that's about all I can give it. Uh, seven out of ten. You know, I don't want to. I don't want to say too too much about it because it's just I, I've said a lot of this kind of a lot of these complaints a lot recently, and um, yeah. So this one's a seven out of ten. Sorry, it's just a little bit of a jaded mess here. But Girl in Red is just I don't know. It just has a lot of the same issues I've been seeing lately. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and another thing too, I forgot to point out um, that you mentioned that album cover. I really liked it a lot as well, especially when I've gone out like record shopping and I'd seen that like I'd seen it a lot at like all the places I've gone to. And oh, you've actually seen that one on vinyl already? Oh yeah, it's like it was at uh, that one place we went to, Square Records in Akron. I saw it. At, oh shit! I saw it at the Record Den. I think it might still be at the Record Den since the last time I went there last week. Um, so yeah, it's it's still because i mean it's a popular it's a popular album because of like the singles you know or at least serotonin um but yeah like i seen that and all and i was like really i had planned this album too to be on 
this specific episode for like a while i had planned it way in advance and i was just like getting so eager to like listen to it and all but like even after the fantano review i was kind of like iffy still but even then i was like i just want to know i just like you know want to see it. i can't can't be like the worst thing in the world and it's not but it it is definitely underwhelming so it's unfortunate but it happens but um yeah that's the halfway point here but before we continue let's have a word from our sponsor and we're back. All right, let's hop into it here with a new album from Dropkick Murphys. Turn up that dial. No, we won't, because this album sucked. <laughs> this album was very bad for me, and um, quite possibly one of the worst I've heard this year. Uh, I don't know if it's going to make the top ten worst at this point, but it's definitely going to have an honorable mention if it doesn't, because this one was rough. Like... I'm not really, like, a fan of Dropkick Murphys in general, other than the song that we all know, Shipping Up to Boston. I mean, if you know Dropkick Murphys, you know that song. If you've literally watched the movie The Departed, you know that song because it's there. Have you seen a beer commercial? (laughs) Have you seen any beer commercial at all? Or, like, any time, like, the Boston Red Sox are playing a game and, like, it's just, like, having the promo music on? Literally, there you go. Like, it's, it's... Shipping up to Boston. But um, that song was released, like, years ago now, right? That was, like, 2006 or so. That was, like, 15 years ago, roughly. Like, that's an old, it's kind of an older song at this point. Um, but, I mean, this uh, this is actually my, my first album I've ever listened to by Dropkick Murphys in its entirety. I wish I hadn't because, Jesus fucking Christ, this was unbearable. At a lot of points, not as unbearable as Sleaford Mods. Don't don't ever don't ever trip up on that because nothing I think is ever gonna top that. If that day comes, that is going to be the ultimate roast. Like I don't know how far we can go with that one, but a one and a half is the lowest rating I've ever given album. Period. So we'll see if that day ever comes. But with Dropkick Murphys, I mean, it's just it's so just. Ugh, it's so bad. And, like, one of the biggest things, too, that I found very, very cringy, I don't remember the song name, and I don't care to know the song name, but they did, like, a rendition of the na-na-na-na-hey-goodbye song. (laughs) And the fact that you both put that in your song and that song alone just pisses me off because I just find it, like, so cringy that everybody, like, uses that in, like, a scenario of, like, you know, if someone's, I don't know, getting kicked out of a venue or something. Like, that's, like, the immediate song that some people think. I'm like, dude, I, mm -mm, mm -mm, I can't. It's just, it's a very weird thing for me. I don't like it at all. And the fact that Dropkick Murphy's just blatantly put, like, not even changed it up. Like, they just put, like, that in a, like, a chorus, I think, or something. And I, mm mm-mm was not happy with that that already like just lowered the album ranking at that point but yeah nothing memorable for me here nothing i even want to talk about i was very mad about this album i gave it a three out of ten and i am very likely never to listen to a dropkick murphy's album again other than the album that has shipping up to boston i may check that one out i might but to be continued on that one sebastian yeah, this was bad. Um, here's the thing. I, I do like Dropkick Murphys and a lot of the more Celtic punk, Celtic punk, whatever you want to call it. It's 
a trend of music that was very popular in like the uh i would say like early 2010s possibly a little bit late 2000s uh but dropkick murphy's was probably the head of that because of course have you seen any beer commercial or the departed you will probably hear that you know it's just it's just it's gonna go it's gonna go you know you got all these drunk white guys you know screaming at a bar with their boston celtics jerseys and shit mm-hmm. like that you know it's you know it's coming but that one is a good song i do like their more folky takes on music as well uh the instrumental segments have always been appealing to me because they incorporate the accordion bagpipes and a lot more traditional instruments for uh what i call celtic and irish types of music so i thought that was cool but this album unfortunately uh got really cheesy later on the first song the title track i thought was pretty okay but then it put on songs like Lee Boy and Middle Finger. Oh my god. And then I Lee started Boy. being like Oh my god, yeah. I forgot about Lee Boy. That one I did remember and it was fucking shit. <laughs> yeah, it's you know, I, I know in a lot of Irish music they do tell a lot of like stories and like tales of like people and whatnot. But this one was just it almost sounded nursery rhymish with their uh with the writing scheme of it just the way they would spell out his name every time they would goddamn say it before they would say his name in full so i got really really annoyed with that um they also made a goddamn fucking birthday song and i know i know it was backhanded but it's still weird that they incorporated their own take on happy birthday i don't know why that happened it was just kind of a weird thing in general. And then they also got political shortly after that. <laughs> and, you know, I, I get it. Everybody, everybody's feeling tense. Everybody's, everybody's just hating, you know, everybody, everybody's just revving up their engines about the whole political mass and everything. And some people like these guys just want it all to stop. I get it. But at the same time, if you're not going to say anything at all, don't say anything. You know, it's just, it's the same thing with AJR. If you're not gonna say anything worth talking about, then don't fucking say it at all. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I, I get I get kind of mad with lyrics like that because you know it's either that you're on the fence or you're just not caring at all. And if you are like that, good for you because I'm the same way. But in general, if you have nothing to say about it, don't say it at all. So yeah. Uh, after that, I guess "City by the Sea" was probably my favorite track on this. Thought that was nice. Um, yeah, this is a good four out of ten for me. I I'm sorry, Dropkick, but you guys, man, it, the cheese factor went all the way up. Man, just it just it got so goddamn cheesy. So just cheesy, even the che- more. The so. cheese got moldy at that point. You know, even more so than it already should be. You know, it's just like God. <laughs> It's, what it, mold can you put on this? Right, so bad. But anyway, let's move along away from that and uh, talk about the new Royal Blood album, Typhoons. Go ahead, Sebastian. This was by far my favorite album this week. I have never listened to Royal Bloods previously, and I have heard of them before. I uh, didn't know it was a two-piece until Nate brought it up. 
maybe I should have uh, done a little bit more research. This one was a more passive listen. I did listen to it a little bit before the podcast just so I can get a nice refresher. But I did add every single song to my playlist. Um, it's super funky. The fuzz on it was very, very good. I, I love the incorporation of fuzz when it's done right, and this was it. Um, the percussion is super, super tight. Uh, every little beat and hit, it wasn't saying crazy amount, but it was just super tight, and it held very nice with the rest of the rhythm section. Um, the ending was a little bit of a slog, and it just because it was just more of a ballady type, and the rest of this was a lot more like hard hitting and in your face. But I still really liked the song. It was just a little bit dull compared to the rest of this. Um, Boilmaker is such a fun, chunky ass riff. I was just like, I, I was in love with that one. I that's probably my favorite track off of this. Um, yeah, and like if I were to compare this to anything, I would say this is almost like new age Red Hot Chili Peppers almost. Um, obviously with far less of a band, but I still think the music just kind of sounds like that, especially with some of the choruses, how they almost sound like very like, you know, very washed out and reverbed, just like they would do with the choruses for Red Hot Chili Peppers anthems. Uh, think of the anthems or the chorus parts of like Danny California. That's what they reminded me of a lot. Um, other than that, I just thought this was by far just one of the funkier albums of this year. Of course, not topping Genesis Uwusu, fucking number one album this year for me still. But I, this is a close second as far as the funk category goes. I thought this was goddamn great. Um, but this one for me is getting a nine out of 10. If it didn't have such a goddamn slow ending, I would have really, really just nailed this one with a 10 out of 10. It's just, it's just so weird to have such a hard hitting album and then having such a slow song as its finisher. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I, it's kind of like going on a roller coaster and at the bottom of the hill, it's just a flat track for the rest of the ride. Right, and like if it's like a slow song, like I don't like an acoustic song. I mean that's fine because there are lots of albums that end with an acoustic, and it's a good acoustic. But I mean I see what you mean exactly with that one. Um, no, I I can't agree, unfortunately, or at least entirely with this one. And I know why though, and I th- I'm almost a hundred percent positive I said this on the podcast, but I will reiterate or just say it in general if I haven't. Uh, this style of, like, garage rock, you know, that Royal Blood is kind of known for, like, that hard rock style, but also, like, that just, like, kind of, like, I guess you say, like, the fuzzy, you know, distortion, you know, with, like, the guitar effect and everything, it's, I don't like it at all for 90% of all bands that are like that, and, um... Even the, the vocal style, too, of just, like, sounding like it's actually being recorded in a garage with, like, a regular microphone and not, like, a professional studio equipment, you know? It sounds like it's actually, like, you know, we're just, like, we're just playing it out in the garage. We're going to make it big kind of thing. Like, that's – it's literally a style that I don't like at all. I mean – I think the best way to put it is that, like, remember that Ask Alexandria album from last year, the uh, House mm-hmm. on Fire album? That was, like, a hard rock approach for them. Didn't think it would be good, especially because some of the singles I felt a little lukewarm about, but 
on the album and everything, I really fucked with it too. And I'd say that's borderline garage rock for me, uh, except that they actually had professional equipment, especially with like the vocals, because it did not sound like at all echoey or anything. So that's why I could enjoy something like that. But with Typhoons, it's just the same thing with Royal Blood. Like, I don't know. I've I've seen them live back when they first started. Uh, coming off of their 2014 album, uh, they were torn with the Foo Fighters. They opened for them. Uh, and that was around the time, too, that Dave Grohl was on his throne after he uh, fell and broke his leg off the stage that uh, that one show. But that show was really good. For Royal Blood, though, I mean, I've always kind of just felt very eh about that band. Because while it is really cool that you are a two-piece band where, like, you can literally, like, play the bass and, like, or, like you have, like, a bass style of mm-hmm. playing and like use like the effects with like the pedals and amps to make it sound like an electric guitar and a bass guitar at the same time. That's cool. That's really cool. And I dig that a lot. And the fact that you guys are like so talented that you're able to do this and still make some good music, at least the music that people can really enjoy. Like a lot of people can enjoy this. Um, that's great. I'm like really glad that that's the case, but there's just never been anything appealing with it. And now that they kind of went for a more groovy, dancier kind of thing here too, like a dance rock thing, which what's that all about? First of all, I mean, Foo Fighters did that earlier this year too. And I, yeah, that's a big thing right now. I don't get it, dude. It's like, I mean, Royal blood, this is only their third album. Like you have, you had time before you had to do this. (laughs) Foo Fighters, it was kind of expected. It's like, all right, you're running out of ideas. You needed to make this. It would have been fun for you. I mean, they made an album or an EP called The DGs, a Bee Gees like cover EP for Record Store Day. Foo Fighters did like that. Forgot about that. (laughs) Like that's the point in their career that they're at because they know they can sell out shows and arenas and shit because they're one of the biggest rock bands currently of all time. You know, yeah. Uh, Maybe not up there with like U two or like the Rolling Stones, but I mean, in years they'll even grow more. I'm sure. But man, with like Royal Blood, there's just nothing appealing about this album at all to me, except for the title track. I will say Typhoons is a good song. And once again, this is a song that I've heard many times on the radio on the same station, but I can tolerate it when it comes on, even if it's multiple times. So there's that about that. But after that, there's just nothing. There's really nothing at all that I really enjoyed about this album. And I wish there was. I wish I could get into the style of music more often. But, no, there's not. I guess instrumentally some moments are fine, but at the end of the day, this album gets a 5 out of 10 for me. Just not my thing. Just not my thing. But anyway, we got one more album here to talk about. We already know, you already might know what it is. She just came out with it recently. It is Billie Eilish, Happier Than Ever, her second studio album coming off of a very successful When We All Fall Asleep, Where Do We Go? A very highly praised and successful debut album with all those dark vibes and just the very moody aspect of it all. It was awesome. That's a great album. It made my top 15 in 2019. It might have even made my top 10, quite frankly, if I think about it. But, um, yeah, loved that album. How could you not? Uh, But now she's back. She's been kind of like... Um, I wouldn't say teasing, but she's been putting out singles in the past two years or so. Um, 
leading up to this album, like songs like My Future and Therefore I Am and Your Power and Lost Cause have all been released within the span of like a year and a half, I guess I could even say. Uh, My Future was like the first one that came out like either late 2019 or early 2020, I remember. Like, it was before COVID, that's for sure. So, to see this on the album was a little surprising. Um, and she also had Not My Responsibility, which I'll get to in a little bit here, because that has to do... Like, I'll get through these tracks, because I actually have a good amount to say about this album. Um, so, when it started off, it was like kind of like a slower track, which whenever an album starts off with a slower track, like this one here, Getting Older... I'm usually very lenient with it because I consider it just, like, an opener to the album uh, and, like, awaiting the actual moment where, like, it kicks in, which it kind of does on I Didn't Change My Number and, you know, Billy Bossa Nova and then even My Future. Those three songs there, I say, are very reminiscent to, like, the early 2000s R&B style of music, uh, especially, like, Billy Bossa Nova and, like, My Future. Like, for sure, those ones were, like awesome to hear and I love that like she did that um I also enjoyed oxytocin I thought that was a really fun like electro pop kind of thing St I, th I feel like that one still had some of like the little darker vibes too along with Goldwing that was kind of like the carrying over from when we all fall asleep that I really enjoyed about that one um and overall, too, like I just wanted to point out, too, this album is consistently alternative, which I really like because she isn't having to piggyback off of uh, When We All Fall Asleep entirely. Like, she can actually, like, create something different, and she's not like, you know, she made the one of the biggest pop albums of the decade in 2019, and then she's just going to drop off. Like, no, there is no drop off here, in my opinion. Um, then you have Lost Cause, which I loved when it first came out and everything. A very nice, like, alternative track right there. Uh, Haley's Comet was a little underwhelming for me. It was one of the slower ones that I really just didn't care for. Uh, that one and uh, Everybody Dies was kind of the same for me, just the, like, way I felt about it. Not my responsibility, though. You might not remember, but, or you do, because it was pretty big when it came out. Um, it was sometime in 2020 last year when... She put out that video about her, like, you know, basically talking about how she felt and everything about, like, people talking about her and her body and all this stuff and how, like, you shouldn't be judged or anything. It's a very nice spoken word passage that I was not expecting at all to be on this album. And, like, when I saw it, I was like, not my responsibility. That sounds very familiar. And then when it came on, I was like, oh, shit, this is the video. Because in the video, like, it's her, like, in her baggy clothes. But, like... She's slowly taking her clothes off until, like, it just reveals she's, like, either wearing, like, a bra or a tank top. I forget what it was. But then, like, she's getting, like, sucked into this, like, black ooze. Which, is, it's very, like, it's kind of dark, but it's, like, it's wicked. Like, it's really cool. And I love the message that she spreads in that one. Uh, after that, Overheated was a solid track. Your Power, uh, that one is, like, a really nice acoustic track, which... Going back and listening to When We All Fall Asleep, I did like the acoustic tracks on there, but, like, they were kind of not so memorable, considering most of them were on the back half of the album, and, like, I recall that the last, like, three songs were all very slow, um, which wasn't bad, I mean, it fit perfectly with, like, the atmosphere of that album, but having a song like Your Power on here, which is a very deep and dark song about basically, like, you know, uh, an, an abductor, you know, who kidnapped a girl and everything, kept her in a cage and didn't know her age and all that kind of shit because she was, like, 
know, very young. And it is, an unfortunately, like, a big thing in the world, you know, that unfortunately does happen. So I, I thought that was a very powerful song by her. Very well done. But now my favorite part of the album. So NDA was next, and that one was a really solid, like, you know, another solid electro pop kind of thing. I really love what she did with that one. Um... But the transition from NDA to Therefore I Am was immaculate. It was so fucking good. And it was so perfect and so smooth that I, like, my jaw genuinely dropped. Like, I I was shocked. I was like, this is, like, so fucking cool. This is so fucking cool. I cannot believe that she made it work that perfectly. And then after that, when we get to Happier Than Ever... Um, well, I should just say, Therefore I Am is, like, the best song on the album, bar none, like, easily. If you haven't heard it yet, I mean, it's it's a banger. But uh, Happier Than Ever comes on, starting off with, like, a ukulele, you know, ballad, it seems like. But after, in the middle, right in the middle, it gets, a, it kind of, like, has, like, this buildup. And then it gets pretty heavy. Like, some heavy, like, you know, guitar riffs in there. And Billy kind of, like not like screaming or anything but like kind of in your face with her vocal delivery on here and i don't know what to consider that like this like pop punk kind of thing or this like grunge kind of thing it was somewhere in the middle because it really wasn't quite pop punk but it wasn't heavy enough to be grunge it was like right in the middle and it can't even be hard rock either but it was something and it was something that was really fucking cool that i never thought billy would ever do um so yeah, I really enjoyed that a lot about that one. And there's also another moment too. I, th- I believe it was actually on oxytocin where like she does some like different stuff with her vocals other than the like hushed quietness that she usually does on her songs. But like it was like much higher pitch than you would ever expect from her, uh, at least based on the last album. And then Male Fantasy was a fine way to end the album. Um, I guess I would say, too, that my other only complaint is that, like, this is, like, kind of a long album, longer than I was even expecting, at, like, 16 songs, almost an hour, Um, but overall, I've still been praising it, I think it was a great album, a great way to, you know, go into the next phase in her life, the next, you know, style of music, I guess, if you will, Uh, yeah, I gave it an 8 out of 10, it might even grow by the end of the year, but I'd say it's a solid score for me. Anyway, Sebastian. So this one, um, I mean, I'm a big fan of Billy, of course. Uh, she has some great songs under her discography, uh, and even great albums. Uh, where do we, when we fall asleep, where do we go? That album was a surefire nine to a ten for me. Uh, this one, happier than ever. I still like, uh, I still like it on its own, on its own merits, but certainly I can't say this was as good as the first album so i definitely like the approach with her new sound it gets a lot more swingy a lot more r&b-ish and it still retains a lot of the dark elements as previously um but these 808s they're still very heavy from time to time and it, it, it gets a little bit crazy sometimes as far as like headphone listening goes um other than that, the dark beats associated with it was uh, certainly fun to listen to. You know, it just, I always like the darker aspects of like even lighter hearted songs. You know, of course, just being a uh, heavy boy as is, I always prefer things to be a little bit darker, if that makes sense. 
Um, oxytocin, I thought was probably like one of the best drops I've heard from Billy in a while. Uh, and I, I thought that was a really like fun song overall. I thought that was cool. And then it goes on there to Goldwing's Choir. And that was a very nice and haunting track with some nice like angelic choruses and it was disposed by the lyrics themselves which were a lot darker in uh in actuality to what the song was trying to say to you um thought that was cool lost cause however was not my favorite track i know that was one of her bigger singles leading up to the album but i did not like this one whatsoever I just think it's very just it's kind of a slog for me um the part I like the most for that song I would say that redeems it a lot more for me is the synth track near the end I thought that was cool it kind of had like a Tyler kind of uh Tyler the creator kind of like synth play in the background where it's just very like whooshy and very um very articulate if that makes sense, uh, just like just the flurry of notes there. Um, other than that, not my responsibility. I I never I I did see this a long time ago, as Nate stated when she did that whole ad thing or um, just like spoken word thing where she had like the dark ooze surrounding her, and I thought it was good then. Uh, within the context of the video, I thought it really fit things, and not to sound pervy or anything i just i thought honestly with this track listening to it without visuals made me feel like i was listening to a porn ad in a sense i know the <laughs> I, message I is a lot yeah. more it's a lot more introspective but the instrumental backing plus the effect on her voice did not help the point that she was trying to prove here but that's just for me I still think it's a very well-worded, and I can respect the message a lot. I'm not saying that it was, like, completely lost without the context of the video. It just, for me, when you're listening to this, like, later on in the day, and you're just like, oh, that's kind of, kind of like, porn hubby in a sense, but not, like, to the point where it's actually sexual. It's just <laughs> like, is the this way the that's VR presented. Is they're talking about? <laughs> <laughs> hot singles in your area um <laughs> but no I, I don't think it was a huge thing but uh yeah and then another issue i have with this album is her diction i love billy's voice i think it's just masterful the way she articulates around such a quiet timbre you know she has a very she has a lot of clarity to such a quiet voice and that's saying a lot because when a lot of artists go quieter it's hard to understand them like i would say a lot of her uh quieter parts even remind me like of stuff from like deftones mm -hmm. just like how quiet chino would get on some of the lyrics here and i i i really like that aspect that adds like a nice eeriness to it but for this album in particular the distortion plus it really made me hard-pressed to understand what she was saying and i was very just lost within the track and i'm not saying that in a good way either it's just i was kind of like hard-pressed to find out where the hell i was because I, I would look at the lyrics as i would listen to these albums and yeah it just it got very very hard to hear in some parts and i 
don't know if that was like a mixing thing or just the way she was pronouncing her words. It just, I don't, it just, it became less artsy and more, um, I guess you can say more trendy sounding, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. It's not like the whole argument I always say about the whole non-pronouncing your R's as your main sound kind of thing. It's just more, I feel like she uses it less as how she's actually singing and more just to apply something to make her stand out more. I don't know. It just, I, I wasn't vibing with the lack of diction in a lot of these parts. But that's just me. I just I have a very theater and classical background for music, so I am very picky on diction as is. So with that part, it just eh. Um, other than that, uh, I can definitely say the vocals aren't bad. Like, in general, it was just that that really just bothered me. But moving on to a lighter note, the Shamison and NDA was very fun in the beginning it's cool to see a lot of these more traditional instruments being implemented in some of these more art pop kind of sounds i think it's cool it kind of reminds me of when lady gaga did it in her art pop album and stuff like that reminded me just it was just really cool the shamison being played because i'm watching a lot of anime recently so it's it's cool to see some things lining up in my life like that mm -hmm. um and also, I can definitely see why this is the most listened to songs. Uh, the listened to song in her discography or whatever it is. The number one on Spotify. It's very heavy at the end and bombastic. I thought that was fucking cool as shit. Um, the ending was pretty damn good to that track as well. And one thing I will note as well. I think the last two songs on the album, the um, male fantasy song and the title track, should have been switched around in placement. This is a very yeah. nitpicky thing to say, but with her, uh, with her song, um, Jesus Christ, with the title track, uh, "Happier Than Ever." Um, I thought that was a really fucking good song. And I thought, honestly, that would be the ending of the album. And I was like, oh, man, this is amazing. Like, the switch up at the end there, it just really, really uh, threw me into a huge world. I'm like, wow, this is, like, one of my favorite songs of this album, for sure. And then it goes into the male fantasy. Not a bad song, but it's just, I don't really like the ending as much as that one i'm like man if that would have been the ending it would have like ended on such a better note and this is just more personal taste more than a critique itself but i just would have preferred that so much more and um yeah i i just i overall think this album is not my favorite from her uh as of now but then again she only has two albums to her name with a couple singles and eps uh, so yeah, this is a 7.5 out of 10 for me. Might move up, which I'm pretty sure it will by the end of the year, to an 8 or even an 8.5. But definitely nowhere near as good as the first one. Alright, there you have it. Alright, well that's going to be it for the album reviews, but uh, album recommendations coming at you. Uh, the one I have actually already here, I'll just uh, put that out there. I'm going to do Knocked Loose's uh, Laugh Tracks album 
from 2016. That one was a very solid debut from them. I love uh, his very, like, shouty, yelly kind of vocal style where, like, it's not like, you know... It's not like how in typical hardcore it sounds like it's, like, much lower. This is actually, like, much higher uh, in terms of, like, you know, pitch, I guess you could say. But the album is super solid. Uh, Dead Ringer is, like, one of the band's best fucking tracks. As well as Counting Worms. Counting Worms is a very short song, but, like, from the build-up to the breakdown of it in that span of, like, a minute and a half, roughly... It's awesome, especially live. It is absolutely awesome. People go ape shit when that song comes on. It's great. Like, whole album is awesome, especially if you're a hardcore fan. Go check it out. It's awesome. Sebastian, what do you got for us? For this one, I have a group I started to take more of a deep dive onto, and that is Foxy Shazam. Uh, I listened to one of their biggest songs, Oh Lord. I, I love that song a lot. I listened to this a couple of years ago, and it's been popping up a lot on my over 10,000 songs playlist at this point. <laughs> and I was like, man, this song's popping up a lot. I guess it's uh, really going to be a vibe for me this week, and it, it sure as hell been. So I decided to listen to the whole album Associated, the self-titled Foxy Shazam by Foxy Shazam. Uh, this album released in 2010 is a really fun kind of throwback um really bombastic rock album it has a lot of like horns in the background like trumpets and it just the vocalist for this group is insane i legitimately did not know this was a man singing because of some of these high notes and uh just the timbre and the um cadences i just did not realize this was a man singing because it's just so high pitched but just like the way you would articulate it just it sounded very feminine i'm like wow like i i thought this would be like the next janice joplin <laughs> like oh shit this is a guy <laughs> um yeah this album is fucking amazing uh oh lord of course the biggest one off of this is a huge huge uh huge song for sure it's just it's definitely like the huge triumphant anthem i would say out of all of these uh, another one i really liked is wannabe angel that one is just like it just hits you right away um especially being the second song on the album it just it goes crazy and then after that um the other one i really liked was uh evil thoughts that one was a nice little ballad from the album and yeah like i said it just it's just it's crazy the range of this guy that is uh singing here not to mention just the instrumental backing is just very full sounding so yeah this album is very fun i heard that they might be releasing an album this year and i'll update nate on that as time progresses but i hope that's the case because they have been releasing some singles already and i I hope they can get something. So they released something last year, and I did not even realize it. But then again, just started deep diving this year. So mm-hmm. hopefully they do something. It'll be cool. Absolutely. All right. Well, there you go. That's been the episode. Uh, Sebastian, as always, thank you for joining. Yeah, yeah. And Trend and Spirit, as always, thank you for being on the Music Corner. And, yeah, we'll see you guys in the next episode. This has been the Music Corner of State Awaits, and we are signing off.